Thank you so much uh, for that worship. I got to tell you, these guys individually, collectively, they're a great talent, these uh, musicians. But any one of them, any one of them could stand on their own, my friend, and do very, very well. Today is the start of a new series entitled Miracles, and the subtitle, what we're going to be talking about in a few moments, is Deliverance. Now, listen carefully, because this subject I don't talk about often, but uh, in, in the series here, I uh, want you to be aware of, of this subject and the power of the enemy. Um, you see, the word miracles has a different meaning to a lot of people. To some, uh, they really don't believe in God-ordained miracles. Uh, they don't believe, hey, it is what it is. That's just life. If something, if you get a lucky break, you know, it was just luck, or you just happened to be there at the right time, etc. Some don't believe in miracles. I believe that God, Jehovah, is the God of miracles. I believe that miracles happen every day. Some would also say, well, buddy, that was back in the Old Testament, those things that happened. Walt Disney should have been there. Or in the New Testament, the mirror of Jesus walking on water, really? You know, well, those miracles that took place, that was just for during that time. But I believe after 50 years of marriage, uh, ministry and marriage, that, that miracles happen all the time. I have received many, many miracles. How about you? If you believe in miracles, put your hands together and let's give the Lord a clap offering. Now, sometimes the word miracle is misused. Let me give you an example. Let's say that it's Christmas time and uh, you're over at the mall and the mall parking lot is packed and you're driving around and you begin to pray, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Uh, and you drive around and all the spots up front are taken and you begin, God, I, I need you to open that door right now. I need a miracle. And you drive around, you keep driving around and you drive around and you drive around for about 30 minutes, still looking for that spot up front. All of a sudden, somebody backs out and you pull in and say, thank you. That is an absolute miracle. No, it's not. Let me tell you what it was. You persevered, you drove and drove and drove used a quarter tank of gas, driving around in the parking lot, and eventually somebody in that spot had to back out, and you got it, my friend. How many understand that? See, here's the miracle. <coughs> a true miracle is when the God of heaven intervenes on earth, and he doesn't play. So why should God give you a miracle? It's when it aligns with his divine will. He is an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God who uses his influence in your behalf and says, I've heard your prayers, and I'm going to give you a miracle. I want to talk as these three messages now this morning, the miracle of deliverance. You might say, well, that's a little bit spooky. We're going to talk about the world because we know the enemy is working overtime against you. As we meet, I believe every time we have church, the devil shows up, and you're not seated behind, beside him or her this morning, but he shows up. Why? To interfere, to do any and everything that he can. But here's what I know. God is saying, I've given you a path of deliverance that will bring to pass glory and honor to God. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about 
protection, divine protection, that times that you don't even know it, that God is with you. Now, we promise, or He promises in the Word, never leave us nor forsake us, but to be with us. But I got to tell you, there are times the enemy may come after you, come after one of your children. You plead the blood and say, God, I'm looking for divine protection. And I've, I've witnessed many times that that which came to harm and hurt, God intervened and saved in that situation. That's next week. And number three, we're going to talk about the miracle of healing. Healings. I believe God heals. And we're going to deal with that. We've been fasting and praying. We've got the report of several that have been healed and that have, in fact, been delivered. And that's the way that it works. Now, today, deliverance. One of the big things that the enemy tries to keep us away from is that he does not really exist. He will say, hey, I don't really exist. There is no devil. And the majority, according to the stats of our culture, don't believe that there is a real devil. Well, I want you to know that'd be a lie from the pit of hell because it is contrary to the Word of God. And in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number 12, this is what it says. It says, for our struggle is not against what? But against the, against the, against the, and against the, where? In heavenly realms. Here's what he says. It's not against flesh and blood. And I'm going to pause here. Somebody knifes you in the back, somebody cheats you, somebody curses you, somebody betrays you, somebody ran off with your spouse. My friend, listen carefully. If you focus your anger, you focus your bitterness, you focus your get-even attitude against them, you are shooting for the wrong target because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But here's what the enemy will do. He will create circumstances so that individuals may harm and hurt us and cause us to declare war on them, while at the same time he stands on the sideline folding his arms and thinks, you never even came after me. You never even pointed your guns at me. And it says that he is the one that creates all the pain and all the trouble. So what should I do? If you feel like you want to get even, get even with the enemy through the blood of Jesus Christ and say, God, in Jesus' name, I'm not going after that person. I would miss my target, but I'm telling the enemy, Satan, you're a liar, you're a deceiver, you're a cheater. Get behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. Your boss is not your demon. Your boss is not a demon. Your mother-in-law is not a demon. Your Facebook is not a demon. Your spouse and your children are not demons. Paul said it's not flesh and blood. But what? But we battle against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, and against mighty power in heavenly places. And a demon is not the spirit of the dead. The only devil known in scriptures, found out of Isaiah 14 and Revelation 12. Lucifer is another name for the devil. 
And several things, of course, we know that he was booted out of heaven, according to Scripture, because he was filled with pride and said, I'm going to be like God, the most beautiful of all the angels. And that pride led him to rebel. And in Isaiah 14, it says that he, when God booted him out, he took one-third of the angels out of heaven with him, and he was cast out. Those demons were cast out, and they became ambassadors for the work of the enemy. And we know that that influence of the devil often is done through demonic power and demonic influence in high places that often causes individuals to make decisions that are contrary to the Word of God. Example, how can a governor of a state or a city sign an executive order that says you have the right to take the life of a full-grown baby in that womb, and that that baby has no authority or no choice to be able to live. Let me tell you where that spirit comes from. It comes from the pit of hell, and it is the devil that's saying, I'm going to take you further in, and I'll do anything unless somebody stands up and says, "Not that is not going to happen. We are going to pray. Amen? <laughs> it is the church of Jesus Christ. I reach for water. Pardon me. I know you don't want to see my back. If you don't think the devil's real, he took my water. Chug a lug, chug a lug, makes me want to holler out. I am what I am. <laughs> and we understand that some people overemphasize demonic influence. In other words, they, are, they believe a devil's under every rock, behind every bush. They go around all the time. I think they're demon-possessed. I've had people call me, Pastor, do you know my husband? Yeah, I know your husband. I think he's demon-possessed. <laughs> really? Why do you believe that? Because he's acting like a devil. Well, here's what I know, that most all of us have acted like a devil from time to time. Oh, Pastor, you, you shouldn't say that. Too late. We all have misbehaved sometimes. Some people feel like that, oh, my Lord, I put my cell phone on the, on the, on the bathroom counter, and the cell phone fell off in the toilet and I mean, it ruined the cell phone. Look what the devil did. No, that's not what the devil done. You put that cell phone on the bathroom counter. You hit it with a towel, my friend, and it fell off in the toilet all on its own. The devil didn't have anything to do with it. You should have put it somewhere else. Or the devil's keeping me broke. Yeah, you know why? You say, the devil's keeping me broke? Lady, you go to buy a dress because you really need one, and there's a sale going on, and you buy 12 of them and three pair of shoes to go with it. He goes to Bass Pro looking for one fish lure and comes out of there with a brand-new boat, and then you decide, well, my cell phone is not working. Let me go down, and they'll sell you a brand-new cell phone. Your bill will go up. It's not the devil that made you go broke. It's because you don't know how to not spend.
Neither do we want to underemphasize the demonic power of the enemy. So I'm not going to say there's a devil under every bush. But I'm not going to say there is no devil at all. I'm going to read in Ephesians 6.12 that there is a power that is not a natural power, but a supernatural power. You see, naturally, you and I are going to experience nature. We're going to experience the body getting older. We're going to experience all the natural repercussions of life in this culture. And we're also going to experience that there is a supernatural power and that it is God Jehovah that is all-powerful. But there is also a power that is initiated by the pit of darkness through the influence of the devil. You say, well, I don't believe that. How many of you have ever been tempted? Raise your hand. Come on, help me out now. Some of you so saintly, you wouldn't raise your hand for anything. Well, I'm going to, let me, how many have ever been tempted? May I see your hand? Who do you think did that? What power was it that stood on your shoulder? Hello? This is, oh, my Lord, have mercy. And the devil says, "Mm, just this once. You see, the demonic power, the influence of the enemy creates an avenue for you to sin. Second Timothy, the second chapter says, hey, there's a people that got way off course. And as a result of getting off course, they couldn't see anymore. They were blinded. But he said, one day they will come to their senses. So the enemy sets us up in traps and the influence of darkness is always there. And the enemy communicates with us. Go ahead. Don't let that bother you. Go ahead and enjoy yourself. Go ahead. You deserve it. That's exactly what the enemy does to all of us. And here's what will happen. He will always minimize your sin until you fail and you get way out there on a limb. And then he'll maximize your repercussions by telling you, you are ruined for life. God will never love you. You ought to be shamed. You are no value to God. You are marred. You're yesterday's trash. And you'll never be able to be used or get back into the kingdom of God before. That's exactly how he works. 1 Timothy 4 says, in the latter days, and I believe that's where we're at, in the latter days, people will abandon their faith. They will believe deceiving spirits, and they will believe lies, and they will have itching ears to hear what the devil has to sell. It's getting quiet in here. A little anesthesia is working here. We know people that for a time they were walking with God. They're as faithful as they can be, but somebody tripped them up through some act and influence of the enemy or let them find this or that out. They walked away from God, walked away from the church. You know what the lie the devil tells them? Oh, you can be a good Christian and not go to church. That ain't in the Bible. That's plain old yard talk, friend. That ain't in the Bible. Forsake not the assemblings of yourselves on the Lord's day, for this is the will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. That behavior that matters. And we know, here's another lie. And I'll pin this one on Oprah. With her influence, I have heard her say and others, all roads 
lead to God. That is a demonic lie. Oh, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mix a little bit of Buddhism in, blend it with a little bit of Christianity, bring a little bit of New Age in, bring a little bit of witchcraft in, and mix it all up. Because all of it together is going to lead me to God. No, it's not. The Bible says there is only one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and only by and through Him can you be redeemed. Come on now. So when somebody says all roads lead to God, it's a lie from the pit of hell. But what does the devil want to do? He wants to act like an angel of light. He doesn't really want you to know the truth. He wants you to go after another human being rather than looking at him and say, you're the culprit there. You see, demonic power sometimes inflicts us to suffer. I have witnessed several people in my ministry who were demonically possessed. I've had people to call me and say, Pastor, they got this sickness that must be a demon. Listen to me, friend. Listen carefully to me. If you've ever confronted a person that is demonically possessed, you are not going out of your way to go find one. But neither should you be afraid when you're confronted with a person who is. You should not. Why? Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. He came to give his life as a ransom for you and for me. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick, and he didn't come to proclaim his own righteousness, but he came for sinners. And the enemy came to seek, to steal, to kill, and destroy. How many of your family has the enemy influenced? How many of your family, you sit back and you certainly look at them and you know, hey, you know they're not living the life. There is no fruit in their life about serving God. And yet you want to believe, oh, I just know they're a Christian. Well, my friend, you know they're a Christian by the fruit they bear. Listen carefully, friend. Here's a reality check. If those individuals you think are following Jesus Christ don't bear any fruit, let me tell you what the Bible said. He came along and cut them off. So what does that mean? It's high time we as the church began to face reality and said, I need to go to work with them and get them to understand what real truth is. Otherwise, they're going to be led by a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not going out judging a bunch of people. I had individuals in the first service this morning that I've been working on. One eye yesterday, God laid on my heart. And I really prayed for that individual and the family. I said, God, do something. Well, I came in the first service this morning, and there they sit on the second row. I about fell out. Thought, my Lord, have mercy. Unbelievable. His biggest problem was trying to get the communion cup open. This is a world in which there is a battle that is taking place and Satan is not in a little red suit with pointed ears with a long tail and a little pitchfork. He is a real power to reckon with. And the only entity, institution, organism is the church of Jesus Christ that calls him out and says, you're a liar. 
you're a liar? Or do you prefer that the preacher get up and say things you just want to hear so that anything goes, all roads lead to God, and life is just a bundle of roses? Or had you rather someone tell you the absolute truth out of this word and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Here we go. The name of Jesus. God gives us power over darkness. Matthew 10, verse 1. This is what it says. Jesus called his disciples and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So we have the authority. And here is the good news. Not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit. Though the enemy has power, and though he is alive, and though he is real, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you and I are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we do not have to worry about demonic possession. We don't have to worry about all the lies of the enemy because God has given us a covering that comes from the blood of our redemptive relationship in Christ Jesus. So I don't wake up every day and say, oh, I need to hide from the devil. No siree. Here's what I'm saying to you. When the devil shows up, and he will, my friend, if you're living right, he'll show up. You can say to him, oh, you come on out here, buddy. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm fully persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto God for this day. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus Christ. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. I take authority over my lost son, my lost grandkids. I take authority over my job in the name of Jesus Christ. God's given us that authority, and we know it. In Jesus' name is what we say. Do you know why? The most powerful name known that the enemy despises when you say it is in Jesus' name. Let's say it together. In Jesus' name. Say it again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I remember the influence of darkness. I've, I've shared this, but it was uh, many years ago. And some in our youth group, listen, friend. Don't let your young people raise themselves. Be aware of what's going on with them. Be aware of what's on their cell phone. Let me say it again. Be aware of what's on their cell phone. Be aware who they're hanging out with. Come on, somebody. In other words, you train and coach. And that's in love. But a group of young people were getting engaged, though, in the youth service. Wow, some marvelous youth services. But there was a select group that were being led by a young 15-year-old. That young 15-year-old, she was raised in the foster care system, been in one home after another, been raped, abused, abused, used. She had a sweet little voice, a petite, high-pitched voice. But she got into witchcraft. And they were in the bedroom of her house. She began to get into a seance, and those young people began to get into that. And literally, literally, a fire erupted on the mattress 
that scared all of them to death that they had to put out. And it was nothing more than a sign of darkness in that room. And at that point, what happened? It exposed what they had been doing. And so they came to me. And one Sunday night, I was preaching on the powers of darkness and the overcoming power of Jesus Christ. In time of prayer that afternoon, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, be prepared tonight. So I said, God, first I want to get my vessel cleaned up. You don't want to confront an enemy and you're a half-hearted believer. You'll get a spanking. I met three of my board members, only had four. And I said, we get in the altars tonight, I don't know what will happen, but watch me. Because I really feel in my spirit, we're going to literally confront the powers of darkness. Now listen carefully. The devil's not afraid to come to church. <clears throat> so the altar time came. Altars were filled, people worshiping God and giving their heart to Christ. And this young 15-year-old who was the culprit came down and knelt. And I went to her and I said to her, stand up. When she stood up, I did not see the face of a sweet little 15-year-old high-pitched girl. I saw the face that was withdrawn, and I looked into the depths of hell through her eyes. I looked at my board who were watching and motioned for them to come. And I called her by name. And I said, you're about to be delivered. She looked at me and a voice that was not her voice. A deep voice said, get away from me. And I said, I'm not getting away from you. Because you have possessed her. And you will. Leave her body and the influence you have in her. That voice came back and said, I will not leave. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the Son of God, I plead the blood over her life, over this vessel. Satan, you will leave by the authority of God's word. You know how, you know how to pray when you know you need to pray. Amen. You're walking on the Red Sea. You better pray lest you sink. And I knew at that moment, in Jesus' name, here's what happened. That voice stopped. She fell to the floor just like, just like a wilting flower down and began to shake. And that voice, her own voice, 
voice came back. And you could know she began to weep and the deliverance of the Holy Spirit was over her body. She stayed there for probably an hour and a half. We continued to pray and I watched the healing power of Jesus Christ restore her, took away all her sin, all her abuse, all her pain. I saw that because here's what the Bible says, that in these last days you shall cast out devils and they will be delivered and recovered. Somebody say amen. It does happen. What brings fear to me today is I wonder if the church is still strong enough in the culture in which we live to do anything that will do a miraculous proportion in Jesus Christ. And I believe that it is. I got a phone call a number of months ago from a very wealthy and influ influential family in this county, not in this city, but in this county, Reverend Blackburn. I'm so-and-so. Oh, I need your help. I know you and have known you for a long time. And I know that you're not afraid of darkness. I thought, not as long as I got Sharon. <laughs> Would you come to our house? I set up a time. I said, what's wrong? One of our family members, a teenager, 18, they're not of Pentecostal or charismatic persuasion, but we believe there's a possibility that they are possessed with an evil spirit. They accounted all the things that this person had done the times they tried to take the life, the times that their mouth opens up and it's pure filth that comes out a bastion of demonic influence flowing out of that little vessel. Would you come? I took my Bible. I said, here's the scriptures. The person was locked in the bedroom. I prayed over every doorpost of that house. And I got to the door where this person was holding up and not coming out. And I began to speak in Jesus' name. And I heard the voice in that room that was despicable. I endeavored to coach them. These people are astounded by what they saw. They had never believed that that was possible until then. I continued to pray and believe. Sadly to say, that person would never come out. That the stronghold of darkness, I pray often, and the reports that I get, that that behavior continues. Listen, friend, if you think for a minute the enemy is going to lay his head down and give us a free ride, when you began to declare the name of Jesus, when you began to declare the truth and reveal the lies of the enemy, he will, in fact, come after you.
But guess what? We're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be afraid. We have authority in Jesus' name. We have the ability to say to the enemy, I rebuke you by the authority of God's word. Sharon said, boy, that second service, you need to tell everybody because some won't understand this. You know what? Read the Bible. You'll find in Ephesians 6, that's a good place to start. You'll see that kind of behavior that is there. So what do we do? Well, I don't believe there's a devil. You'd be dead wrong. Because there's too much influence. You look at culture that seems to have no boundaries today. When you could take a full-term child and abort, there's something wrong with that. Let me tell you what will happen next. And it's around the corner. Old people will get too old. And there will be those that says, well, we can take full-grown babies. Seems like to me the best thing to do is euthanasia. Let's just take grandma and granddad and let's let them die a nice little death. Kevorkian, do you remember him? Pastor, you're scaring me. You need to be scared. But not in a supernatural way. Because the person who has the last word, his name is Jesus. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's right hand of the Father. So I have seen people addicted to drugs and alcohol. I've seen them actually be delivered by the grace of God. John 15 says that you and I are the light of the world and that we can walk in the darkness and we can declare that there is light in Jesus' name. So what does Paul tell us? Ephesians 6, 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand firm. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That is God's word. Amen? So let me encourage you. There is a devil, but we don't have to be afraid of him. There is God, the God of miracles, and miracles take place. The devil does have influence, but he does not have the final word. And that when you and I stand our ground, and we declare the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be assured that our God will show up every single time and not lead us astray, and that He became the supreme Lamb of sacrifice. And as a result, He said, all roads don't lead to me, but all roads lead to me only through the sacrificial Lamb. His name is Jesus. I ask you to give this consideration. In what areas of your life and your family 
Are you being led aside by culture? And what areas in your life, in your family, in your business, are you saying culture may go that way? But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I admire Chick-fil-A. And I admire them because they made a stand. And says, culture says, if you're in business, particularly the retail food business, Sunday's a good day, and especially if you're in the chicken business. But to date, and I was in a meeting with individuals who are very familiar with the family and said there is no intention for them and their vision to ever open on Sunday because they believe. Now listen. Because they believe that the foundation of the success of their business is they honor God. May I suggest to you, we have an opportunity like never before. Let's be a light in the darkness. Let's don't be afraid. And let's take God at his word. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Let's stand together. Here we go. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I praise your name. We've talked about a pretty deep subject today. It's one that certainly don't want to confuse anyone, but... If we get in and read the Ephesians 6 chapter, it'll help us. If we get in there and read 2 Timothy 4, it'll help us. If we get in there and read Revelation 2 and 3, we'll see what culture does to the seven churches. And we have words of admonition there. God, we thank you for that. I pray you touch and speak to all of us in a very special and real way. God, I pray that we'll make decisions in our own hearts to follow you. That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, that we're not going to make mistakes, and we're not going to, not going to sin. That happens. That's natural course. But we're so grateful for the mercy and the grace of God. I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer, all of you online, to repeat this prayer, and let's just be sure that we get our heart right with Jesus. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I confess my sins. I believe he died so that I could confess. So these are my words. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Set me free from my own carnal nature and allow me to walk in the Spirit. Let me be conscious of the powers of darkness, but let me be courageous to know that I am an overcomer through Christ Jesus. I claim His Word in my life right now. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're able to trust God. Some of you just need to slip down to the altar. 
Some of you have been fighting a personal battle. And that personal battle just keeps you away from the free flow of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you to let God bring healing to you? Would you let Him take the weaknesses of your spirit man and make them strong? And you have, some of you have someone that's on your heart and God is able to speak to your heart right now. So we're going to trust Him. And if you need prayer and you're not well in your body, the Bible says to come to the elders, let them anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and they shall be healed. And then finally, while you're standing, be sensitive to listen to the Holy Spirit. If the devil can sit on your shoulder and speak to you, and you're a professing believer, God can speak to you. Some of you paid for some of the women's tickets. Do you know why you did that? Because you got lots of money? No. Because God spoke to you, whispered in your heart. There's a family in church this morning because I called them last week. God laid them on my heart. I hadn't seen them in weeks. But I called them up and said, hey, it's about time. You made a commitment. Come on back. Plan to be there. And let's trust God together. In the drive-thru at McDonald's this morning at 540, I said to a lady, you need to come on and get in church. She said, I knew you were coming through. She said, I'm coming, Pastor. I'm going to make the decision to come. I said, well, listen, be careful that you don't use your own time, for God has perfect timing. Let God speak to you. If he speaks to you, call somebody that God lays on your heart. Go out of your way to say, God, I want to be obedient to that voice. And often we miss it. And people all around us are burdened down and will give you that great big old attaboy smile. But God will speak to you and say, I see something in them they're struggling with that you don't see on their face. So talk to them. Let that be the case. As we sing this song, you come and then I'll give the benediction in just a moment, friend. Here we go. There is Hesitate, friend. Slide on down. Some of you leaders help us quickly.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the move of your Holy Spirit, but I also feel the lying spirit of the enemy. I rebuke that lying spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that a, a deliverance right now, making a right decision right now in this room will be broken by the authority of Jesus of which I plead the blood over. And I declare by the authority of Almighty God that that one which has not moved, God will sense and feel that that voice speaking to them to move is the Holy Spirit. And we listen. Let them now exercise their choice to be obedient to your spirit. Sing it again. We're going to wait just one more moment. Please, please pray. Please pray. So break every chain. Father, thank you today. We leave here a heart full of joy and peace, but we leave here with an adequate warning that the enemy doesn't sleep. He's always endeavoring to do those things to harm. But it is not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit that covers us. We loose by the word of Jesus family members that are influenced by behavior that is ungodly. We pray in the name of the Lord, strong conviction would rest on them. We pray now in the name of the Lord for the lukewarm church, that in the name of the Lord, a lukewarm church will wise up and begin to realize that the way to live is under the flood 
through the blood of Jesus Christ and let the fire of Pentecostal touch rest on them. We're declaring that in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, tonight, bring us back 5 o'clock to see what you have to say. We can't wait in your name. Amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you. Amen.